Welcome to the Florence Crossroad Podcast. We're thrilled to share with you an exciting message from our weekend service. If you would like more information about who we are as a church and how to get involved, feel free to visit florencecrossroadag.org. We hope you have an amazing experience and a great week. Jesus Christ, bless every gift, those that would give them. Help us as stewards to use them wisely. That, Father, will enhance your kingdom and it will encourage lives to serve you as we pray and ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you draw your attention to the screen, please? If you are delivered before I come home, if it is a boy, keep him. If a girl, discard it. Aristotle instructed. When couples have children in excess, let abortion be procured. Roman law agreed with Greek philosophy. Disabled infants should be destroyed. Jesus came into this dark culture. He demonstrated compassion for the vulnerable and offered saving hope even to the worst people. He cared for the sick, fed the hungry, and proclaimed good news. Let the little children come to me. Early Christians called themselves followers of the way because they imitated Jesus Christ whose way of living was radically countercultural. They were mocked, lied about, and abused by those around them. Yet they still became known for seeking justice and showing mercy. They even adopted abandoned babies. People of the way know that human worth comes from God, and life begins before birth. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Throughout history, Christ followers spread the gospel in word and deed, helping prisoners, slaves, the hungry, sick, pregnant women, orphans, and disaster victims. There's the 16th century parish priest Vincent de Paul, who organized care for war orphans, ransomed slaves, and supported victims of failed abortions. In Britain, William Wilberforce and Hannah Moore worked together to end the slave trade. Gladys Aylward shared the good news in China. She adopted orphans, advocated for lepers and prisoners, and helped end the binding of women's feet. Nobel Peace Prize recipient Mother Teresa spoke of abortion destroying peace. She said, The so-called right to abortion has pitted mothers against their children and women against men. It has portrayed the greatest of gifts, a child, as a competitor, an intrusion, and an inconvenience. The same compassion that motivated these believers and millions of others throughout history led Francis Schaeffer to mobilize modern Christ followers to speak up for abortion victims. He helped found CareNet, which supports more than 1,100 pregnancy centers today. These centers empower women and couples with Christ-centered support and realistic alternatives to abortion. Christian adoption agencies help birth parents place their children in loving families. Many believers have even provided shelter for pregnant women needing safe haven. As followers of the way, our convictions remain countercultural. When we help people making pregnancy decisions choose life, we are joining the greatest rescue mission in history. Sharing mercy with marginalized people and seeking justice for the oppressed is still authentic evidence of following Christ. Dear children, love with actions and in truth. Act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. 
We are super excited in partnering with the Parenting and Pregnancy Center here in Florence as they reach families in our community and serve individuals with love and care. Here's some other things that are coming up here at the church. So we are a family in this building, and in order to be a family, we got to hang out together. So kids, we have a bowling party coming up this Saturday. It's going to be all day, and we're going to go hang out with some other kids' ministries over in Eugene. So make sure, parents, that you get your kids signed up first grade through fifth grade. There's going to be pizza. There's going to be bowling. There's going to be fellowship, laughter, community, all of that, everything that a family does and is vital to thriving as a family. So make sure you sign up online or at one of our connection cards. Awesome. Next Sunday is also child dedication. So parents, if you haven't dedicated your newborn, even your your high schooler to the Lord, we encourage you to do so. It's an awesome opportunity of the whole body of Christ, the family of Christ coming together to say, hey, we're in this together. We're not alone. So the church is coming alongside your family to say, hey, we will help support you as parents. We will support these kids and love them and guide them in discipling them for Christ as you do the same. So I encourage you, sign up for that online or at one of the connection cards. And church, don't miss out on that Sunday. Also, don't miss out on the Sunday that follows that because we're also celebrating spiritual growth and faith steps with a water baptism service as well. So it's gonna be the first Sunday in February. A water baptism is an outward expression of what God's done on the inside. Yeah. So it's just simply saying, hey, I want everyone to know and not be confused or, or concerned about what I believe. Water baptism is simply saying, I know for sure what I believe and I want you to know about it. If you haven't taken that faith step, again, sign up. We want you to be a part of that and we want to celebrate those wins with you. So let us walk alongside of you in that church. Make sure you're there for that. Um, if you want more information, come talk to one of our, our staff or any of our, our board members. We would love to talk to you more about what water baptism is. That's so awesome. What a great opportunity to grow as the family of God. Speaking of families, we have this year, for the first time in a long time, an opportunity for our families to get together and spend time together. Lauren, do you like camping? I love camping. Awesome. So this year in August, August 28th through the 31st, we are doing family camp out. So there's gonna be more details to follow on that, but mark your calendars. We want you to be a part of this. Come hang out as families and build relationships together. We love community in this place. We love that you're a part of what's happening here and that you're here this Sunday as well. We pray that this would be a safe place and a home for you to feel comfortable in. The message is coming your way right now. And so let's prepare our hearts. Let's prepare our minds to take in what God has for us today. Amen. A lot of things going on around this place. If you haven't noticed, we're... We've dismantled our women's restroom over here in the South Hall. And how many of you know we've got to reassemble it? <laughs> All you ladies are saying, hurry up. <laughs> and uh, we're, we're well on our way. I want to thank Eddie and his crew for what they've done. They've really jumped in and, and done a lot of work on that. Uh, you know, next Sunday is Right to Life Sunday. It's a big Sunday across this country. I am um, an advocate for life, um, but I'm not just against something, I'm for something. I'm for the redeeming grace and the love and the healing power of Jesus Christ to come and meet the needs of people. 
An abortion doesn't just affect a baby. It affects a man and it affects a woman. And in all of the years that I've been pastoring, I can't tell you how many people I've had to deal with the aftermath of abortion and the pain that it's caused in, in a woman especially and in many men. And I believe that Jesus Christ is our answer. He heals, he restores, and he encourages. And so as we think of this, let's not just think about it as being against something. I want to be for something. I want to be for the healing, redeeming power of Jesus Christ in the life of hurting people. Can you say amen to that? Because that really is his message for all of us. Uh, we will begin, as you know, we've, how, how many of you have appreciated so far the, the series of messages that we're in right now? Have you, have you gained anything from them? I hope you have. We're dealing with some very biblical principles, they're rudimentary principles, they're foundational principles, but I think in them we can find some incredible areas of growth. While we're doing this, we're also assembling together uh, our board and staff, and we're doing a collaborative of taking these messages and bringing them into formation classes on the Bible. How many of you, uh, how many of you feel comfortable with your knowledge of the Bible? How many of you think you could gain a little bit of knowledge in the Bible? Yeah, that's more like it. Amen. And, and so what we're hoping to do are to give tools, to give you some insight and ins instruction. I don't know how it works with you, but when I first came to the Lord, I, they just handed me a book. Go read it. Yeah, right. How, how many of you know that that was great? The Bible's wonderful. But I really needed somebody to help guide me in what's in this book. Uh, it, it's it's so, so big and so powerful. And then you get into the Old Testament, and you get into some of the writings, and you're going, oh, man, where did that come from? How many wives? And I'm thankful that I live in the New Testament because one is all I can handle. <laughs> Amen. But there's, there's, there's an insight, there's a story, there's a thread that goes through this whole thing. You know what's really cool about the Bible? It doesn't whitewash anything. It doesn't erase any human error. It doesn't, it doesn't just blot out. It talks about the real dynamic of where we live. We don't live in the sweet by and by. We live in the dirty now and now. And what we find in the Bible is that we're not peculiar, we're not abnormal, we're not a, a unique group. We are just like everybody in history, and the Bible was written for people just like you and me. Amen? Amen. And it talks about the good, the bad, and the indifferent, and uh, we're going to look at, as we hopefully work our way through this, understand some of those principles. This morning, I want to share with you the third of this series on the Bible, and we started this whole thing, as I, as I shared with you last week, out of Something the Lord prompted to, to me early this last, or late this last year, August, actually. And it's found in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. And as we began to pray about that and ponder that, what does this mean? <clears throat> in fact, in staff, we've talked about these these four dynamics, these are four foundations, if you will, to the faith that we have in Jesus Christ. And as we begin to break into this and, and unpack each of those words, the apostles' doctrine, 
The more we got into that, the more we recognized that that really is not just a, a, a code of ethics. It's not just a, 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 a statement of fundamental faith or doctrinal positions, but it is literally the Bible. It is the Word of God. It is God's Word that they stayed in every day. This is what they were steadfast in. And then fellowship, and we'll break that down into what that means. And breaking of bread, what does that mean? And prayer, what does that mean? And obviously, you cannot gain the whole of this concept in four messages. But what my hope is, is that in these messages that we're bringing, it will give to you the beginnings, and as we go through these classes together, it will help you to have some tools to really understand and unpack the Word of God for your own life. That's our passion. That's our challenge. And as we've begun to look at this, uh, we, we, are, we are finding, I think, I'm finding some truths. You know, I've been doing this for a long time. And I'm just finding this book so rich. It's been, it's been very rewarding to me to get into this, into this study and just mine these truths. I've had more fun than you are. Amen. It's been a delight. I, I want to tell you something. I'm so proud of you as a church. I, I've witnessed that when the Holy Spirit begins to speak to us about moving in a certain direction, you engage in what we're doing. You have joined with us. How many of you are in the process of reading through the Bible? I, I just, that just, that's amazing. I encourage all of us. It's never too late. You, you, you don't have to, you don't have to, well, um, you know, 18 days have gone by. It's too long. I can't. No, you can start right now, and you can, you can read through with us. And it's, it's a delight to do that. I, I think it's especially exciting when we see how many people are hungering for the word. Uh, many of you have joined us in this reading program, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. But the Bible as a whole, we've been talking about that has some symbolisms in it. We've talked about the Bible being the bread of, of, of heaven. We've talked about it being the, 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 the water of life. We've talked, we will talk today about it being the breath of God. And they're symbols. They're symbolic, yet they're real. Uh, it's, it's interesting. We need food. I, I've, I've had to go on a diet. Not... not not weight loss, a specific kind of a diet because I've got this thing going with my pancreas. And, and I'm going to tell you right now, it sucks. <laughs> if it looks good, smells good, and tastes good, I can't have it. I mean, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just whining a whole lot, and I'd like a whole lot more sympathy here. You know? but, but when I look at this concept of a diet, we need food. We have to have food. Our bodies need to break that food down so that we have nutrition and we have growth and vitality and we thrive. We need food. And the Bible gives us this, this analogy that the Word of God is bread. It's food for our, our lives. We need water. With this diet, I'm supposed to drink a lot of water. I feel like I'm sloshing when I move. I've never drank that much water in my life. I'm not going to give you any more illustrations of that, but I'm telling you right now, there's a lot of water in this body, and I'd like to say that, I, that I'm retaining water. I'm not. <laughs> the, the point of what I'm saying is that we have to have food, and we have to have water, but we have to have air as well. You know, I, I, they say that you could live 40 days or more, depending on what your body style is, without food. 
You might be able to live 12, 13 days without water, but you can't live very long. I mean, it's minutes without air. Hello? We have to have air. We have to have food. We have to have, we have, to have water. We have to have air. And the Bible gives us this analogy that the Word of God is all of those things to our lives. Can I be so frank as to tell you that this book is a matter of life and death? Do you understand why we're so, we're so passionate about having you read through the Bible? But, Pastor, I've lived this long without reading through it. How much have you missed? How much more could your life have been enhanced? How many more decisions could have been done in a different way and maybe a more productive way had we known the truths of his word? I can tell you that, that I could say there's a lot of things that I've done that I haven't lined up with this book. And when I haven't lined them up with this book, I've had to go back and redo some things. Am I the only one here who said to do that? <laughs> Is it possible that some Christians are living in an oxygen-depleted life spiritually? It's a good question. It would only take a bit of stress for you to become out of breath. Uh, on occasion, I've had to go back to Colorado Springs for a, a, a national board that I'm on. And Colorado Springs is about 7,000 feet up. It's, it's a little high. It's kind of like when I go to Addis Ababa. It's 7,800 feet in sea level. I mean, can you imagine that? And, and it's amazing how just walking up a flight of stairs can take the wind right out of you. A little stress can create stuff in your life. A little stress in all of our lives, whether it's, it's altitude and it's the physical or whether it's a mental stress can take a toll on, on our lives. I love what, what Paul says to young Timothy. He says, all scripture is, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. All scripture, say that with me, all scripture, all scripture is given by inspiration. And that's a unique word, inspiration. It, it comes from uh, the Greek word theonoustos. That doesn't mean anything to you until I break it down. But theonoustos is broken as a compound word. Theo meaning God and noustos meaning breath. So literally what this is saying by inspiration is by God's breath. In fact, I like the way the NIV says it. All scripture is God-breathed. Can you imagine that? God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. This book we call the Bible is literally the breath of God. Think about that. All scripture is God-breathed. It is the breath of God. When God spoke, when you speak, when you, when you utter a word, it's because of breath that we speak. Do you, do you catch that? When God gave the word, it was God-inspired. God breathed this word into the hearts of men of old. Exodus says it this way, the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit. I love this. It's a powerful passage. We're going to camp here this morning. Now, in Ezekiel 37, the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit 
of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Doesn't say skeletons here. Bones. And then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed, they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? Interesting question. You're standing in a valley of bones. And God says, can these bones live? Well, my first response is, they're dead. In fact, they're not even joined together. They're scattered. But I think Ezekiel said it very well when he answered, oh, Lord, you know. Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, prophesy to bones? I've been in some churches where preaching was like prophesying, never mind. (laughs) Prophesy to these bones and say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. I like that. Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you. Breath to enter into bones? That doesn't make sense. Especially dry bones? Surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together, and the bone connected to the, you know, I can just, can't you see the song going on? I can see that. I'm sorry. Just forgive me. (laughs) Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and flesh came upon them, and skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. Also, he said to me, prophesy to the breath. That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? Not to the body, not to this corpse, not to this, this, this being, but prophesy to the breast. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus saith the Lord God, come from four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as, I, as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet in exceeding great army. The breath of God transformed a valley of bones so that they would become an exceedingly great army that was alive. Amen. I was in Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, a number of years ago, and during my time there in teaching... I had an afternoon off, and, and the, the, my host said, I want to show you something. And we got in his four-wheel drive rig, and we were driving through town, and we cut across somebody's front yard and went right up next to the backyard and straight up this hill. And I'm thinking, where are we going? And as we got further up on top of the hill, it was the most macabre sight I've ever seen in my life. You see, these are Buddhists. And they believe in what's called air burial. 
much like the Native American of this country would take their dead and they would put them on a platform in the air. It was, and it's kind of ironic that many of the North American Indians came through the light ice bridge from Mongolia through Alaska and down. So there was a similarity and there was a background here. But the point of it was, I got up there and they said that in their custom, they believed that if somebody died and they were to place, be placed out there and, and a, 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 a vulture or an eagle or a wolf were to come and begin to consume the body, that that spirit was taken care of. How many of you think that'd be a kind of a weird place to be? And as I'm driving along, I'm looking out and I'm seeing, I'm seeing a thigh bone and I'm seeing a skull and I'm seeing ribs and I'm seeing arms. It, it's, it, it was Steven Spielberg couldn't come up with something or Stephen King couldn't come up with anything more nightmarish than what I was watching. It was crazy. And as I was reading this, my mind went back to that moment. And I could almost imagine Elijah standing out there, Ezekiel standing out there in this valley. I can see it in my mind because I saw something very similar. The breath of God transformed that valley of dry bones into a living, vibrant, powerful army. I look at this passage and I began to think in terms of what the Lord has spoken to my heart. There are some things that I want you to understand about this book. This book is the breath of God, and it is the only thing in this world that will give you full understanding of what he has in store for you. The breath of God gives understanding. Ezekiel 37, 3, and he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, oh, Lord, you know. In other words, I haven't got a clue. But God, I know that you know. You're going through a crisis in life and a circumstance. God, how am I going to handle this? How am I going to handle it my marriage? How am I going to handle it with my kids? How am I going to handle it my business? We're sometimes like Ezekiel. Oh, Lord, you know. And guess what? He does. And he has an answer. Job 33, 32.8 says, But there is a spirit in man. And the breath of the Almighty gives him understanding. There is a spirit in us. We, we are birthed. And when we are birthed, we have been given a spirit. We also have a soul, our mind, our intellect, our will. But we have this spirit. This spirit wants to connect with him. And it's the spirit of God that wants to connect with us so that he comes through his word and he connects his word to our spirit and his spirit gives us understanding in the moments of where we are. Wow. That's a far better sermon than you're saying amen to. <laughs> what gives you understanding? What gives you understanding? Oh, come on. What gives you understanding? The breath of God, the word of God. Amen. If I could just understand, if I could just understand what I'm going, if I could just understand why, if I could just understand. I've been dealing with this pancreas thing for some time. 
And there's more than that. There's other things going on. And I, so trying to figure it out is way beyond my, my wheelhouse, believe me. But there have been moments when life was very uncomfortable and I didn't understand the why. And, I, and I, I, I remember in the middle of the night waking up and being very uncomfortable and, Lord, I don't understand. I, I don't understand. It's a real admission. I don't understand. Wished I could tell you. I feel great. My mind is about as dull as it's ever been, but I feel good. I've got vision. I have dream. My mind seems to function quite well, and, 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 and yet here's this moment. Lord, I don't understand this. And then I get into his word. And one of the things, I don't give credit to the devil. I really don't. I don't have any desire for him. I don't like him. I don't want to in any way attribute anything to him. But I truly believe that part of what this is, and this is the understanding the Lord has given to me, is that this is a spiritual attack because of what God wants to do and is doing right here. Now, where do I come up with that? The Word of God. And you know what? Then I began to read where Paul had a thorn in the flesh. I bet it was pancreatitis. I don't know what it was. And do you know what? It doesn't matter. I've got good news for you. I don't, I don't live my life under a white flag. I haven't surrendered anything yet because I've read the word and it gives me understanding. It gives me the strength to function right now. I'm telling you a practical thing, folks. This is not some imagery that's somewhere down the road. It's kind of, kind of like the, the dad that came home and his son had shaved his head. <laughs> and he said, son, what, what, what has happened? And he says, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? He says, I don't know. He says, was your head with you all day? Man, this book is the only way you'll be able to understand your wife. You know, men and women, don't, they're not alike. You, you, you got that figured out? Men and women don't think alike. How many of you guys have been driving down the road and somebody's about to come out and your wife goes, <gasps> scares a living. Yes. Anybody here besides me? Yeah. Okay. Can I tell you, there's a physiological reason. They have better peripheral vision than you do. You have better long vision than they do. Physiologically, you're different. You see things different. They see things coming at them quicker than you do. That mean they're right. I'm just telling you. That's just one illustration of what I'm trying to say. But listen to this. Husbands... 1 Peter 3, 7, husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding. How are you going to understand them? This book will help you. And the same is true with, with you ladies in understanding your husband. I, I truly believe this. this is not just a, a funny moment. This is a real thing. This book is the owner's manual on who you are. 
Luke 24, 45 says, and he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. You see, it's the word of God, the breath of God that comes into our life as we open this book. Do you realize that when you're opening this book and you're reading this book, do you know what you're doing? You're receiving the very breath of Almighty God. And with the breath of God comes the power of God, the power of God that was released through the breath of God that created everything that's around us. And he said, let there be. It was because he breathed it out. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Without the breath of God, we can panic. When we panic, fear comes in. And we can become very desperate. Many years ago, I was... Uh, I love to ski and water ski and swim, and if, if it has anything to do with the water, on it, in it, or, a, or under it, I loved it. Uh, I scuba dive, I've, I've snorkeled, I've surfed, I've, you name it. I love water. I just think, I'm glad that God didn't give me scales, but I love water. <laughs> and, and I remember being, uh, we were with a group of us that, that we had taken some vacation time. We were down at Lost Creek in southern Oregon. We were out in the middle of the lake, and we tied up our boats together, and we were just floating out there, and we go ski once in a while, but it was just a fun moment, and one of the kids decided to jump in without a life vest, which was not the best thing in the world for that little guy, and I, he wasn't coming up, so I dove in, and I found him, and he was struggling. He was just struggling, and I grabbed him, and he started kicking me and hitting me and scratching me. He was panicking because he didn't have breath. And with everything I had in me, I swam and pushed him to the surface. And when he did, when he finally broke the surface, he calmed down. But when I got out of the water, I looked like I'd been attacked by a piranha. I mean, <laughs> my face was scratched. I had scratches all, I mean, bruised. This little kid was panicked. He was, he was terrified. He couldn't breathe. And when we can't breathe spiritually, we become incredibly panicked about life and about circumstances. How many of you have awakened in the middle of the night, and, and all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, all the fears of the world come and grab you, and you're not going to make it, and your health isn't going to work, and your family isn't going to, and the finances aren't. And how many, how many of you know what I'm talking about? The panic that comes, it comes. And, and the only thing that I can tell you is that we have to get in the Word. I, I have those. You have them. What do you do with them? You go back to the Word of God. And when you read the Word of God long enough and, and thorough enough, you're going to find passages that will stick with your mind. You'll find the Word that says, and I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's one of my favorite passages. And in the middle of the night when I wake up in that panic moment, Lord, you promised you would not leave me nor forsake me. And all of a sudden, the sweet Spirit of the Lord comes in the peace that settles in. You see, what I'm doing in that moment is I'm taking a deep breath of the breath of God. Second thing is this. The breath of God gives order. 
Verse 7, so I prophesied as I was commanded, as, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together bone to bone. These were not skeletons. These were simply bones scattered to the four winds. And yet out of that chaos of incompletion, order came, and they came back together, and it would have... I really want to get to heaven. When I get to heaven, I want to see the video of that one. I just do. I just want to see a skull just scooting across and, and vertebrae coming together and ribs being formed and, and, and all of these bones. How many bones are there, Bill? 200 and some? I remember. How many? A, a lot. <laughs> There's a lot of bones in this body. And all of a sudden, wouldn't it be weird? I mean, they're just matriculating. Bone to bone to bone to bone to bone. And all of a sudden, you've got all of these skeletons out there. But they weren't chaotic bones. Now, they're ordered. They're in the right place, in the right alignment, together. God brings order. Psalm says it this way, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. Can I tell you how I develop a message? The Lord gives me a, a, an inspiration. He gives me a thought. Then he gives me some big picture items. It's these points that we have. And, and I learned years ago, Lord, as you give me those, show me the scriptures. Because I'm not about to try and attach the, the words or the message until I understand the scriptures. And, then he, and he will give me far more scriptures than I'm going to give you on a Sunday morning. But out of all of those scriptures, I begin to see, wow, okay, that makes sense. Wow. Oh, man, I never thought of, I didn't know. And all of a sudden, out of reading the word and, and studying the word and meditating on the word, he begins to put the sinew and the muscle and the skin on that message. It doesn't come from here and it doesn't come from here. It comes from here. Oh, pastor, how do you preach those messages? I just deliver what he gives me. But as I work and I pray and I read, he gives me the message. And when I came across this one, and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. Wow, Genesis says it this way. The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters and then God said, let there be light, and there was light. When you and I speak, we use breath. Words are formed by breath. God spoke and formed by breath. He released power to create by his breath. The Bible is more than a book of words. This is literally the breath of God. Do you get that? That's not just a nice pastoral thought. 
This book is the breath of God. breath of God gives you strength. Ezekiel 37, 6, I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Verse 8 says, indeed, as I looked, the sinews and flesh came upon them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Psalms 18 says it this way, Then the channels of the sea were seen, the foundations of the world were uncovered. At your rebuke, O Lord, at the very blast of the breath of your nostrils, he sent from above, he took me, he drew me out of many waters, he delivered me from my strong enemies, from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. It's interesting that the song of Moses, which really was written by Sister Miriam in Exodus 15, says, and with the blast of your nostrils, the waters were gathered together, the flood stood upright like a heap, the depths concealed in the heart of the sea, and the enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoils, my desire shall be satisfied on them. I will draw my sword. My hand will destroy them. And you blew with your wind. The sea covered them. and They sank like lead in the mighty waters. You know how God parted the Red Sea? <laughs> that simple. The breath of his nostrils is so powerful. Think about how big God is. Don't make him sneeze. <laughs> Seriously, think about it. The breath of God gives life. Verse 10, so I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. We need the bread of God. We need the water of life. We need the breath of God. I love this book. I've been reading it a long time. Can I be real plain? I don't know everything about this book. Because the more I study it, the more I realize just how little I know. But here's what I do know. And this is how it works for me. All week long, I have a principle. I read and I feed. That's all I know to do as a pastor. Is to read the word and to feed those that are here. And so throughout the week, what I do all week long is read. And this is what I'm doing. So that when I get here on Sunday, I go and breathe the word into your life. Because this book is life. This book is my hope. It's life and death. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that. In the word is breath. 
In the word is life. In the word is strength. In the word is hope. In the word is understanding. In the word, in the word, your word, your breath breathed on us as we read it together. Oh God, I pray that you will inspire us to be in your book more. Every day to be in the book. Every day to read it. So that when those moments come in the dark, lonely hours of the night and the enemy is pressing in and he's, he's, he's being that formidable woe, foe that comes against us. And he brings fear and he brings anxious moments. That, Father, we can, in Jesus' name, call your word to breathe upon that circumstance. Challenge us with this, Father, in Jesus' name. Those that are prepared to help us with communion, would you find your place here this morning? First Corinthians says this, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup and after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This pastor was talking um, just about the breath of God, the power of God in creation. I think about it this way. That Jesus spoke life to the tree that he knew would kill him, that he would be hung on one day. He said, let it be. He knew the exact species of tree and he said, may there be life. He spoke life to the minerals and the elements that would be crafted into the nails that would sink deep into his hands. Because he knew. It says his, his body is broken. Take this bread. And I think it's easy for us to just skip over that process of breaking because it's a thin little wafer and it just melts really fast and so we don't want to think about it. But the moment that Eve sinned, he began to break. The moment that sin became a reality, he began to break. And it was a gradual through the covenant of Abraham and seeing their failure. He was breaking himself until the day he would say, no, my covenant will be whole. 
So he's broken for you and I. So we can be made whole. But it doesn't stop there because it's not an old covenant. It said, drink this cup as a new covenant. A new promise. A covenant is not simply just a, I'll, I'll do this sometimes. But it's a consistent and constant reality in our life. That we can find forgiveness and life and purpose in Jesus. So we don't have to do it ourselves and in our own strength and in our own righteousness, but in his. So Father, right now, as we wait and as we painfully walk through life, some of us, in the, in the now and the not yet, we remember that you have been broken for us so that we can be restored to you and be the righteousness of God. We give you all of us right now. Every piece that we have and say, God, would you make us whole? Let's take the bread together. life that Jesus gives to us is a life through transfusion, through his blood. It's through the sacrifice that Jesus gave to us that we have eternal life. So this morning, as we receive this cup, pastor shared a new covenant, a new relationship. Father, we thank you that the word of God, being the breath of God, breathes into us life. And now, Father, as we receive this element, it's the statement of who you are, of what you've done, what you want to do in us. So would you this morning strengthen us, bring healing to anyone here that needs that, and give understanding for where we are today what we ought to do today and for your plan and purposes for our lives right now. We thank you, Father, for it. We thank you for Jesus who did so much, did everything for us. There's no word that adequately thanks him enough. Lord, help us to simply live out our faithfulness to him. As we receive this, let's do it in faith, believing that our God cares about you and will provide in Jesus name would you lift your hands this morning for the blessing and now father I humbly come before you and before this body to speak your word over their life that, Father, you will breathe upon them and bless them, comfort them, strengthen them, heal them, deliver them, guide them, direct them, grant them peace, 
give them direction. May your presence go before them, guiding them, sustaining them, keeping them in every way. Bless them, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. And everybody can say amen. God bless you. How many of you love Jesus this morning? How many of you are going to start breathing his word together? Breathing the breath of God, taking it in together. God bless you. Have a great day in Jesus.
There's good news for the captive, good news for the shamed, there is good news for the world who walked away, there is good news for the doubter, the one religion failed, for the good Lord has come to seek and save, he's our to the foot of Calvary, there is redemption for every affliction, here at the 
wait for the mic. There we go. You guys did. You guys already thanked him. But I just love that God's our rescuer. I love what Eugene Peterson writes when he's paraphrasing the words of Jesus in Matthew 11. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. That's so good. That's so good. How many of you need rest in this place? Maybe it's not you're fatigued physically, but maybe it's in your mind, in your thoughts. Just tired, trying to figure that out and I have good news for you. We